Good morning, everyone. It's great to see you. Um, I want to start this morning by reading you a story. This is a brand new story that's not been told anywhere in the world so far. It's a story that's been written by people in this church. In fact, written by Joanna and illustrated by Lizzie. This is a story that is at this very moment about to be told in our kids' work, in King's Kids. I want to read it to you this morning. There's going to be pictures come up on here, so you can really appreciate it all. It's called Mr. True. Mr. True looks like this. There he is. He's an amazing character. In fact, he's, he is completely transparent because he's true and honest. And I want to read you this story this morning. So, one day, Mr. True decided to go for a walk in the park. He saw Mr. Healthy eating some sweets. <gasps> and Mr. Busy having a nap. Little Miss Clean was playing in the mud. Mr. True felt confused and sad. Why was everyone doing the opposite to what they said? When Mr. True got home, his mum asked him to tidy his bedroom. Sure, mum, okay, he said. After his walk in the park, Mr. True decided to be true to himself and always do what he said he would. Our kids this morning are starting a six-week series looking at the culture traits we want to have in our church. It's so important that all of us get to know what it is that God wants for us, not just the adults, but the children as well. So I'm really, really excited they're going to be starting this. And the amazing creativity of Joanna and Lizzie in coming up with these characters, they're going to be working through each of the different six traits over these next few weeks. Do talk to them about it. Do ask them about it. And I think this is probably one of the first times in our church's history where the children are doing the same topic as us. We're looking at integrity this morning. This is one of the six traits we want to see established amongst us, along with honour, courage, generosity, acceptance and forgiveness. And they're doing the same thing as well. It's really, really great. And because actually, if we all get hold of this, if we get hold of these traits and live them out, we will have such an impact wherever we go. We'll be able to bring those six traits, aspects of God's character and his kingdom into our workplaces and our schools and the streets and our families and, the, the, and everywhere we tread. And this is what we're about. So we're looking at integrity and we're in a series. Uh, we're coming towards the end of it now. So far we've looked at integrity is all about being real. We looked at why we should be real. The fact we should be real with God and with ourselves and real with others, both in the church and beyond. Then we looked at integrity. It was all about being dependable, dependability, being relied on. And I gave you that sandwich preach. We looked at the fact that God is dependable, that he calls us to be dependable too, and that Jesus is the one who makes it all possible. And then last week, Anil spoke to us about telling the truth. Integrity is telling the truth, not lying, but being honest with God, ourselves, and with others. I don't know, is anyone finding this series challenging in any way? Okay, I'm glad. I'm glad it's not just me. Well, this week I had a, I had a bit of a test, actually, um, because when I was talking about dependability, I said one of those aspects of being dependable is keeping your promises. Uh, and I made someone a promise this week. Uh, in fact, it was Heather who leads Grace Mead Church. 
and she'd asked me if I could go and visit a food bank in Wellington City. Many of you might know that we're looking at setting up a food bank in Hatfield, along with a couple of other churches. And so we're just trying to get ideas of how it works. And there's a, a one that's been running in Welling Garden City now for quite a few years. And originally we were going to go together. But she had to go and visit her mother-in-law, who wasn't very well. So she said, could I go? And to be honest, I didn't feel I needed to go because I'm fairly persuaded that food banks are a good thing. Um, and it was Heather who really wanted it, but she wasn't going to be there. And I just thought, well, I'm not sure I really need to go. I've got lots of other things going on. For example, I need to prepare this preach. I haven't got a lot of time. Uh, we went, a number of us went to a leaders' conference Thursday and Friday. I was thinking, I'm running out of hours. I'm, I'm down to just a few hours now to put this preach together. And Well, if I don't go and visit this, then I'll, I'll have time to do that. And, and anyway, Heather said that she would get in touch with the people running it and, and send me the details to, know, to confirm that it was all on. So it got to Wednesday morning when I was supposed to be going to visit it. And I hadn't heard anything from Heather. I was like, well, I probably don't need to go then, do I? Because she's not sent me the information. Yeah, yeah, I promise, but it, you know, it's, 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 I've got lots going on. And literally, I, I left the house and started to walk to the church offices to work on my preach. And as I got to the top of my drive, a text came through from Heather with the information I needed. Then I was like, oh, what am I going to do? OK, I'm preaching on integrity. Here's the test. So I got in my car, and I drove to visit. And it was, it was really good, actually. It was very, very useful to see. And I'll be able to talk to her about that next time I see her. And God was amazing, because I then got to the offices, and I did have a few hours. But I managed to put together this morning in a relatively, well, a very short period of time. So God honored me being obedient and being faithful and keeping my promises. But yeah, it's a challenge, isn't it? It's a challenge to, be in, in, to have integrity. And there's always other layers of it. We think we kind of, yeah, I think, yeah, I'm a pretty good, honest person. But then God says, well, what about in this area too? And this is what we're about. We're exploring and wanting to go deeper. Next week, we're going to be looking at a particular outworking of this. David's going to pick up uh, the next bit of Ephesians, which links in and looking at integrity in the workplace. But today, I want to talk to you about Integrity is living out the truth. So last week, if you like, Anil was focusing on the words we say and telling the truth. Today is more about our honesty and our actions in our deeds. I've got a quote on my wall in the office from Billy Graham. Many of you will know Billy Graham. He's an amazing man of God, an evangelist who's seen hundreds and thousands come to know Jesus through his anointed preaching. And he says this about integrity. Integrity is the glue that holds our way of life together. We must constantly strive to keep our integrity intact. When wealth is lost, nothing is lost. When health is lost, something is lost. When character is lost, all is lost. We need to be keep pressing on and fighting for our integrity. We need to keep making decisions that are honest and good and faithful. Shakespeare in All's Well That Ends Well, says, no legacy is so rich as integrity. No legacy is so rich as integrity. It's an amazing thing when we leave deposits behind us, when we've demonstrated integrity, there's a, there's a, a wonderful legacy from that that others can pick up on and emulate. Integrity is so important. And so this morning, I'm going to revisit some of what has been said before when we've talked about this topic before, and I make no apology for that, because I think it's good to remind ourselves and to go deeper. 
We can all aim to have greater levels of integrity in our thoughts, words, and deeds. So I want to start by reading Psalm 26, which is a psalm written by David, King David, uh, who's, who's talked about a lot throughout Scripture. He was uh, one of the kings of uh, the Hebrew nation. And uh, one of the ways he's described in the Bible in 1 Kings 9.4, it says that David walked with integrity of heart and uprightness. He was a man who knew what it was to have integrity and to demonstrate it. And so as we read Psalm 26, written by this man of integrity, we get a bit of insight into what it's all about. Let me just read it to you. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity, and I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Prove me, O Lord, and try me. Test my heart and my mind. For your steadfast love is before my eyes, and I walk in your faithfulness. I do not sit with men of falsehood, nor do I consort with hypocrites. I hate the assembly of evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. I wash my hands in innocence and go around your altar, O Lord, proclaiming thanksgiving aloud and telling all your wondrous deeds. O Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Do not sweep my soul away with sinners, nor my life with bloodthirsty men, in whose hands are evil devices and whose right hands are full of bribes. But as for me, I shall walk in my integrity. Redeem me and be gracious to me. My foot stands on level ground. In the great assembly, I will bless the Lord. This was a man who knew what integrity was. He walked in it. And I want us to pick up on three aspects of uh, living out the truth today. We're going to look at living out the truth is not lying and cheating, but having an honest approach. It's not just talking the talk, but walking the walk. It's not living life in compartments, but living out the truth always. So first of all, living out the truth is not lying and cheating. Now, Anil obviously touched on this quite a bit last week when he was talking about telling the truth, that it's not about lying, but it's about uh, speaking truth and speaking honestly. None of us want to be like Pinocchio. I mean, it's very fortunate, really, actually, that God hasn't made us that way, isn't it? You know, every time Pinocchio told a lie, his nose got longer. What a thing that would be if that happened to us. How long would some of our noses be? God calls us to be different than that. You know, in that psalm I just read to you, David says in verse 4, I do not sit with men of falsehood. He had nothing to do with the lying. And yet, how easy it is for us to fall in with that. The capacity for us, for men and women, to conceal the dark side is phenomenal. Fraud, financial cheating is commonplace in our society. Cheating in relationships as well. Lying is not considered a particularly big issue. What's the problem? Everyone does it. But it's those things that wreck lives. The simple truth is, whether it's fiddling your expenses, flirting a bit too far with a work colleague, or a full-blown fraud or an adulterous relationship, your life and others' lives will get damaged. Carl Beach, in his book, The Code, which is a book aimed particularly at men who want to live godly lives, and kind of a way outline and way of working, says this about cheating and lying. (coughs) Most people start off cheating because they are stressed, covetous, jealous, or addicted to sex or have numbed their moral compass by flirting with areas of grey for too long. 
it gets worse. The very nature of cheating means that you then have to live a part of your life in the darkness, which in and of itself corrupts your heart. In the end, you either just get caught or you get ill. You might, not, you might, know, one of, you might know of one or two cheats who are apparently prospering on the outside, but I guarantee that the inside will be dark, bitter, and full of angst. You know, we're talking a lot about freedom over these last few weeks, months. God keeps impressing that. God doesn't want us to be held bondage to anything. And if we lie and cheat, we get held and uh, caught up in that, in this bitterness, in this angst. If we're to be truly free, we need to live in the light and walk in the light. So it's not lying and cheating, but it is having an honest approach. To be people of integrity, we need to have the attitude, I will not cheat in anything, personal or professional. I will seek to be trustworthy, well spoken of, have a good reputation and be beyond reproach. It was a time when I was teaching and one of the roles I had in the school was to be in charge of uh, ICT, computing, and the computers. And I remember one day sitting with the head teacher talking about a particular program we wanted to buy that was going to be really helpful for the students in one aspect of their ICT learning. And um, I remember that looking at the costs involved and the incredible cost to buy a site license for the program to be used on all the computers in the school. And then a really quite lovely price for only to have one PC license. And the head say, well, you know. And there was that pressure, you know, weighing up. The school doesn't have a lot of money. What do we go for? Do we go for the one and just hope that no one catches us? Or do we do it properly? And I remember sitting there saying, look, I know it's going to cost us, but we need to do this right. We can't just buy a license for one computer if it's going to be used by 20 children at once. And it's a difficult call because you know the pressure is going to put on limited finances, but no, we need to be honest and truthful. We need to make decisions in the big things and the little things. You know, what do you do with the paper clips from the office? It sounds crazy, but it starts with those and it can grow, couldn't it? Well, I'll just take a pen here, I'll take something from there. Everyone does it. People need to know we can be relied on to do quality work and to own up when we when things when we make mistakes we need to be those that keep our promises 2 kings 12:15 uh, they're talking about here in this passage of the uh, old, old testament of the bible where they're repairing the temple and um, it says this amazing verse it really grabbed me when i saw it the other day they did not ask an accounting from the men into whose hand they delivered the money to pay out to the workmen for they dealt honestly. They didn't, they didn't even need to ask them, please will you account how you're spending the money, because they knew these men dealt honestly. They could be trusted. What a wonderful example. You know, that's what we want people to think of us. We don't need to ask them what they've done with this, that, and the other, because we know they can be relied on and trusted. The other week I mentioned... Um, the verse from Proverbs 25, 13, that says, Like the cold of snow in the time of harvest is a faithful messenger to those who send him. He refreshes the souls of his masters. You know, we have an opportunity when we're honest and truthful. We refresh the people around us. 
I think I've told you some of you before, we had, a, had an interesting situation about a year or so ago where our dining room floor became a switch for the power sockets in the dining room. Not really something you want happening. Um, so it was, you know, when we step on a certain patch of the floor, the, the CD player would turn on or off. The, uh, the, the, everything we had plugged in in, in in the little dining room we have would just go on or off, depending whether you touched on this patch or not. And I realized that wasn't a very good thing. I'm not, I'm not a DIY person, but I thought, this is not quite right. And initially, I thought I was the CD player playing up. But when I realized it was turning other things off as well, I thought, it's, it's bigger than that. So I, I got an electrician, actually an amazing, uh, honest electrician who came and did some work at the church office as well, and he'd been and done some stuff uh, in other parts of our house. So I thought, I'm going to... He'd built up that reputation already. I knew I could trust him. And he came out, uh, and, and he spent two hours with a colleague and him working out what it might be, and they really couldn't suss it out. And he, he realized it must be something that was underneath our floor that would need some work doing to it. And so he sent me through a quote, and it was quite a large amount of money because it was kind of the worst-case scenario. If he took up the floor and they had to replace the bits and then had to put the floor down, but if the floor was damaged in the process, putting a new floor in it, so he said, and, and I just said to him, like, I'm really, I don't think I can afford that, but can you tell me how much I owe you for your two, two and a half hours work that you came and did? And he said, look, it's fine. You need to get this sorted. Oh, don't worry about that. You just put the money that you would have spent on those two hours to sorting out the problem. And as it was, fortunately, one of my neighbors had been doing some electrical training, and he came and we sorted the problem. But it's, it just refreshed my soul to come across someone like that who was honest and true. And it's so good, and we can do that for others as well. When we make that decision to deal with people well, it, it lifts things, it refreshes things. Phil Moore, in his book, Straight to the Heart of 1 and 2 Corinthians, talking about Billy Graham, who I quoted earlier, he says this, It's said that no one in human history has ever communicated with as many people about anything as that ordinary farm boy from North Carolina has about Jesus. He has preached to television audiences, packed football stadiums, and acted as an advisor to presidents and kings. Ask his team how he managed to hold public respect for over half a century, and they point to the same integrity which Paul addresses in 2 Corinthians 8. Paul wanted not just to be godly, but to be seen to be godly too. Although he was convinced personally that only God had the right to judge him, he nevertheless tells the Corinthians in verse 21 of chapter 8, we are taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of men. When Billy Graham's friends offered to buy him a private jet to save him many wasted hours waiting for commercial flights, he asked for some time to consider their generous offer. I can't do it, he eventually replied. I haven't slept all night. I know it's paid for, but people just won't understand. His teammate, Sterling Houston, looks back on that decision as a vital one for Billy's future ministry. It was very helpful to be able to say to the inquiring press that Billy didn't have a private a plane, that he was driving an 11-year-old car, that his home on the side of a mountain was a glorified log cabin, and that he gave away royalties to his books. People trusted him because, like Paul, he avoided every appearance of evil. God's calling us to be a people of integrity who live out truth, not lying and cheating, but being honest, full stop. That's it. They know what they see is what they get. We are going to be honest. Secondly, living out the truth. It's not just talking the talk. 
It's no good just spouting Christian jargon. Insisting other people obey and doing certain, saying certain things to make us look good if we don't match it up with the way we're living. You know, we can be so full of saying the right things, of the jargon. Again, when I was teaching, I once knew a teacher who knew all the right things to say. He'd come out with all the latest educational language and everyone thought it was great. And then sadly, one day, as my role as deputy head, I, was going, I went in and I had to observe his lesson. And it was just not any good. There was no substance to it. He was talking the talk, but he just really wasn't doing it. And it came as a bit of a shock to, to other people when I had to feed that back. But it, was, it just wasn't there. And yet, when talking to me, you think, yeah, this is a, he's, a, he's got it all together. We mustn't be people who just talk the talk, but have no substance. It's so easy to be like that, to fake it spiritually. In that Psalm 26, David said, I don't consort with hypocrites. He doesn't want anything to do with them. Now, Jesus didn't hang back when he was talking about people who talked the talk but didn't actually do it. You know, Anil talked about it last week. Woe to you, Jesus said. Brood of vipers. We must make sure that our lives match up what we're declaring. There's a, a guy called Brennan Manning who's quoted on a DC Talk album who said this, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and then walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That's what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. We need to make sure that what we say matches up with what we do. What we do matches up with what we say. We need to walk the walk as well as talk the talk. There's a strong link in the Bible about walking in integrity. We heard it in that psalm, but it comes up over and over again. Several of the Proverbs talk about walking in integrity. It's an active thing. It's a thing you do. Psalm 26, verse 1, David said, I have walked in my integrity. The New Testament puts it a bit like this. Ephesians 4, 1, and 1 to 3 says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Walk in a manner worthy of your calling. We are sons and daughters of the living God. If you call yourself a Christian here this morning, that is what you are. Walk in the manner that is worthy of your calling. If you are God's child, there is an expectation you will represent something of his character wherever you go. Do we walk in the manner of our calling? Does our lifestyle reflect something of God or does it deny him? Sometimes it costs. Sometimes it costs to make that decision. But people notice, people are watching. Now, years ago when I was a student, I worked part-time in Burton's. And uh, it shows how long ago it was because the whole Sunday working, Sunday shop opening was just beginning to happen. You know, now we just, it's just there, everything opens on Sundays as well. But at the time it was a massive thing. 
And I remember talking to my manager and he said, well, you know, there's some slot. I was on a zero hour contract, so I only got paid for the, the times I turned up. And he was offering me more work. And he said, I can give you, the, you know, not many people want to work on Sunday. Would you do that? And I was like, God, it'd be so useful. I'm a student. I could do some extra money. Yeah, a good six hours on a Sunday. That would really help. I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. You know, fortunately, I had the option. And I appreciate not everyone has that option now. But there was that option. And I could have said yes. I was like, no, I want, to make, I want to make a decision here. For me, that was it. I, I had that option. I want to choose to put God first. And he noticed. And, it, you know, it led to some interesting conversations over the time I worked there. But he knew there never to ask me to work on a Sunday. And he knew that I would work whatever other times I could. And I did some shifts starting at 7 in the morning because I started doing all the stock room and did the del- deliveries and things which other people didn't want to do. That was fine. I said, I'm not going to do Sunday. People notice, and he respected me for that. We mustn't have a mismatch in our lives. You know, sometimes you get those children's flip books where you can have the top half uh, is an astronaut and the bottom half is a ballerina, or, you know, it's that sort of thing. You flip around. We need to make sure we're consistent throughout, that what we say matches what we do. And finally, very much linked with this, living out the truth is not about living in compartments, our life in compartments, but living out the truth always, all the time. Here's Lego Batman's baddie, one of the baddies, Two-Face. And when he stands one side, everyone thinks he's a very respectable uh, member of the community. Harvey Dent, everyone thinks, yes, he's very, very respectable. But then he turns the other way, and he's got this kind of evil character... Some people think, you know, I can come to church. I can be respectable on a Sunday morning. I can have it all together. And then I go off to work or I go out and do this other thing and I'm completely different. And if people were to see me in the different environments, they wouldn't even recognize me. Now, it can be a bit like the traditional thing of wearing your Sunday best for your clothes. I have my Sunday best for my character and then I go out and I do this other stuff. We live and behave one way when we're around church community and around Christians, and then we go out and we hang out with our work colleagues after work, or we do this, that, and the other, and, and we do something completely, we behave completely differently. Now, our motives may be that we want to fit in. You know, yeah, we, we, we need to be around people, don't we? We need to link in. And, and misquoting what Paul said when I became all things for all men. You know, I'm going to be, I'm going to get out, go out and get drunk because everyone else around me has been drunk because then it will help me. I'm being all things to all men. And then I went over here and I'm going to do this, that and the other. That's not what Paul meant. You know, he said that we're to be in the world but not of the world. There should be a distinction. There should be something about us that looks different. 1 Timothy 3.8, talking about deacons, but I think equally true for any of us who are wanting to live godly lives. He said that deacons must not be double-tongued, saying one thing in one place and another thing in another place. Integrity is about wholeness. It's anti-compartmentalism. There's a long word for you. I don't know about you, but when I was at school, we used to try and come up with the longest words we possibly could. Bit sad, I know. But, you know, we get beyond supercalifragilisticexpialidocious because everyone's like, well, that's not a real word anyway. And they'd be like, well, what's the longest real word you can come up with? And we'd have things like flocky-knocky-nippilification. 
which apparently has four Latin words in it, which, and I was doing Latin GCSE, so it was a bit of a, ooh, four, four Latin words, or anti-disestablishmentarianism. And they used to throw those sort of ones, well, here's one for you, probably isn't even a longest a proper word anyway, but anti-compartmentalism. That's what we need to be. We don't want to live our lives in different sections. We're to live out the truth always, consistently, not changeability. You know, the Ron Seal tins, we've got it up on the next one there, Anil, does exactly what it says on the tin. That's their slogan. What you get, what you see is what you get. All the time. You know, our labels as Christians is we're children of God. That's true all the time. That's what God says about you. You are his child. You are his chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. These are truths that hang off you, if you like. They're the labels that God's put on you, the stamps he's put on you. And that's true all the time. We need to act in a way that matches what actually, who we are. Contrast the double standards, living life in compartments, Whenever, wherever, whoever we're with. You know, David, we saw it there in Psalm 26, that he refuses to join in with the unfaithful, with those who, whose hands have bribes in them, the hypocrites. He doesn't hang around with them. He, in a sense, he doesn't get messed up with them. It's even when no one is looking. Even when no one's looking. Living out the truth behind closed doors. C.S. Lewis put it like this, integrity is doing the right thing even when no one is watching. And Nicky Gumbel in Bible in the Year said, David said that God is a God who tests the heart and is pleased with integrity. David was a man of integrity of heart. This is a good definition of holiness. It has been said that everyone has three lives, a public life, a private life, and a secret life. Holiness is about living an integrated life rather than a disintegrated one. Holiness is where there is no difference between our public, private and secret lives and no difference between what we profess and what we practice. Holiness is linked to wholeness. When God calls you to be holy, he is say, saying, be holy mine. There should be that consistency across our life when we're around church people, when we're around unchurched people, when we're on our own. Because actually God's always watching anyway. We want to reflect and be people of integrity wherever, whenever and whoever we're with. The more you win the battles that no one sees, the bigger the public victories will be. It's interesting, when, when the way that even in that psalm that David expresses this continuity, this consistency, he starts, psalm, in verse 1, he says, I have walked in my integrity. I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Past tense. He then says in verse, 11, uh, uh, verse 3, I walk in your faithfulness. Present tense. And then verse 11, I shall walk in my integrity. Future tense. Is that consistently throughout that commitment to being honest and truthful in all his dealings. So living out the truth is not lying and cheating, but having an honest approach. It's not talking the talk, but walking the walk. It's not living life in compartments, but living out the truth always. 
Over the last few weeks, we've looked at some of these different aspects of being, uh, having integrity, being real, being dependable, telling the truth, and living out the truth. As God's people, we have a high calling. We're called to change the world around us. You know, I mentioned the, the Resonate conference that a, couple, a few of us went to on Thursday and Friday, and we had Alan Scott, that some of you remember from Catalyst Festival last year, who leads the Vineyard Church in Coleraine in Northern Ireland. And one of the things he did was just really challenge us on what we're thinking about our calling as people. We're called to change the workplaces, the schools, the towns, the cities that we work in. If we are living as men and women of integrity, we can't help but change those. Some of that will, will spill out onto other people. And those places will be pla become places of integrity. We will challenge the lying and the cheating, not by pulling people up and you know, making people feel bad, but because they see it in us, it will come out of us. And that's what we want. We want to be people who so grab these different culture traits that it spills out and, and influences where we go. Let's look to Jesus in all this. He is the author and perfecter. He is our hero. He's the one who makes it all possible. He's the one who is the faithful one. And let's be all that God has made us and called us to be. He's called us to be real, dependable, telling and living out the truth. Let's believe as we do that, God will use us to change the world. And it sounds crazy when you look at you know you look at your own life i look at my life and think what me but we have the power of the holy spirit at work in us we have the one who raised jesus from the dead the one who spoke and said let there be light and as we live out being people of integrity we will have an impact on the world around us i'd love us just to take a moment the band could come up it'd be great to fix our eyes on jesus again but just as they do, just take a moment. And I don't mean this in any way to condemn you, but just to challenge you and provoke you. Just think. Do people see you as a person of integrity? Do you have integrity in every part of your life? Are there parts that are still separate compartments? Maybe it's when you're on your own, when no one is around those websites that you go to, or the television programs that you choose to look at. Maybe it's the way you are around work colleagues. Do they know you any different? Do they see you as being any different than when you're around God's family? Are you consistent in what you say with what you do? Does it match up? God highlight anything right now and, and if there are things just, just bring it before him and say God I'm sorry help me lead me on hmm yeah Lord I pray that you'd help each one of us to be people who walk in integrity in the daily decisions, house with people who demonstrate honesty and truthfulness in what we say, in what we do, in the way we handle our time, our finances, 
Lord God, let us make, be prepared to stand up for what we believe. The truth is that you've declared that we are your sons and daughters. Will you help us to live in a way that demonstrates that? That there's no uncertainty that we are your people. Lord, will you take us forward? Will you, I pray that yeah, you would make this culture trait, along with the others, so part of who we are that it just spills out and that it does have an impact. Lord, we thank you that the amazing calling you've given us to shape the communities we move in, the workplaces, the schools, the streets, the shops, the families. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to rise up and change the atmosphere in those places. Bring your kingdom proactively into those. And we look to you in all this. We look to you, the author and perfecter of our faith, the one who's made it possible, the, way, the one who stands alongside us, the one who runs with us, chiving us on. And we say, Lord, will you help us? We thank you there's grace when we do slip up. But Lord, help us keep moving forward from one degree of glory to the next. We thank you that you have committed to seeing us through to presenting us one day spotless and pure before you. Thank you, Father.